Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. Launch into my message today quite different than normal. A normal launch with a, a text. But I am going to approach the subject of today just slightly, just slightly different. And I pray and at a result that will produce glory unto God. And you will leave this place encouraged and enlightened by this marvelous truth. It was on February the 13th, 1987, on a cold winter night in Meridian, Mississippi, in a revival at Calvary Apostolic Church, where something got a hold of me. It was on that night I received the baptism and power of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in the name of Jesus in the coldest water I still believe that I have ever stepped my feet into. It was before electric heaters that we now produce a very comfortable atmosphere for someone to get baptized in. That water that night was so frigid and cold. I still remember the baptismal tank that I stepped into. It was an old rusty, uh, it's hard to even imagine. The water was less than perfect. Rust along the side of the walls of the baptistry. It was bitter cold, bitter cold. Matter of fact, the heating in the building was old. Uh, those stove units that would sit over in the corner and we'd have to go in and light those before service and that's what would heat the building those little uh i'm missing exactly what they are but some of you know what they are but it was it was one of those gas heaters that would heat the building but it was on that cold february 13 1987 i made the most important decision of my life this one decision would ultimately guide every one of the hundreds of thousands of decisions that I would make for the rest of my life. This decision dictated to me who I would marry. This decision would determine who my children would be. This one decision would determine who my friends would be. This one decision would determine where I would live, what my occupation would be, and ultimately where I will spend eternity. As I stand here on this beautiful, beautiful May Sunday morning, I can tell you that one single decision that I made over 34 years ago was the best decision of my life. Does anyone under the sound of my voice remember that decision and what it did for you? That one decision has blessed my life in so many ways.
more than I can even begin to explain. The happiest moments of my life have been because of that one decision. The most important decisions of my life have been because of this one decision. This decision was paramount. It was supreme. It was utmost over any of the ones of hundreds of thousands of decisions I've ever made before or since. And there can never be one greater that I can make than the decision that day when I yielded to the will of God for my life. I wonder today, I wonder today who could think of another decision, and I know you can't, that could mean something to someone 34 years from now. I wonder if you will remember this Sunday, 34 years from now, what life-changing decision you could make that would ultimately affect every decision of your life. Is there a possibility that this day could be the day that you will always remember as the day that altered the course of your life? Will this be the day that you remember for all of time as the day that you made the most important decision of your existence? A decision, it can be described as it's a conclusion to an evaluation. It's an outcome of an assessment. It's the verdict of an investigation. It's the finality of the conclusion. It's the point in which one decides. It's a decision. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stood up with the rest of the apostles on that day, he would preach the greatest message known to man. And he would preach one that would stir the crowd, not only to its feet, but to its knees. And they would utter the words, what shall we do what shall we do to get the power that we see in every one of you I prayed this morning that we need another Pentecost in our movement in our world in our church there needs to be a decision made before the lights go out where men and women boys and girls will ask us what shall we do. Somebody say that with me. What shall we do? It's a question that deserves an answer, Brother Josh. It's a question that deserves us to give that confining answer that cannot be debated. It cannot be argued. It cannot be worked around. It cannot be explained away. It's the finality of the conclusion. It's the point that everyone under the sound of my voice must decide. Is a moment where we answer the question, what shall we do? The emphatic answer that Peter gave the question is still the answer to the question. The question hasn't changed. The question hasn't changed, church. And I've come to emphatically tell you, if the question hasn't changed, the answer has not changed. 
I wish I had just a little help from some Pentecostals in this place this morning. The only way the answer will change is if the question changes. If you're in this place today and you're wanting to know what you shall do to be saved, I am glad I have the answer. It's still in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I feel a preach up in this place now. I feel my help just rolled up in here. But you may say on this day, well, that was for the apostles. That was a question for that day. But oh no, Peter didn't stop with just the answer for that day. But it would roll through the ages of time. It would roll through the millennials of time. And it would be for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call debate it all you want argue with it all you want it's still the only message that'll get you from earth to glory it's still the only word that'll get you from here to your eternal destination of heaven Acts 4 and 12 gives us a command. It gives us, it gives us the bedrock of who we are as an apostolic church. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. How many in this room today are glad you know who the name is? How many are glad that you went down in Jesus' name? You were buried in water for the remission of your sins. And you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, Peter could tell them all day long what they should do. But ultimately, it took them making a decision to do what it was he was explaining them to do. They had to make the decision to follow what it was he was teaching They were in an upper room experience. They were in an upper room experience. And I know it's already been said today by Brother Voss, but I feel like saying it again. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. But what I love about the fire, Sister Martha, I hear you say it all the time. I come alive in 75. You see, there's one thing for the fire to sit on you. But there's something about when the fire gets inside of you. That's what I'm praying will happen in just a few moments. That the fire that sat on them didn't just sit on them. It got inside of them. 
The Bible says after the fire sat upon them and there appeared cloven tongues as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can I tell you today uh, that this tongue-talking experience uh, is still relevant uh, in an unrelevant world. Uh, It's still relevant uh, for a backslidden, dead, dried-up world. Uh, It's still the truth. Uh, It's still the liberating factor that'll take a drunk off of a bar stool uh, and put him in the choir. Uh, It'll take a drug addict off the street uh, and put him on the front row uh, with a testimony that the fire still works. I feel like I've got a witness in this house. You knew what it was like. You know what I'm talking about. Where God pulled you out of the miry clay. He took you out of the miry clay. Put you on the rock. Well, I don't understand all this tongue-talking business. I don't either. But when you get the Holy Ghost, your mouth is going to speak things from your heart that you can't learn in school. You can't get a degree. Nobody's going to teach you how to speak in tongues. But when the Holy Ghost comes on the inside of you, you're going to speak things you didn't learn. You're going to utter things that you can't comprehend. But when the Holy Ghost gets inside of you, you're going to begin to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit gives utterance. They got the Holy Ghost so strong, Brother Dodd. In verse 12, they said, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking, saying, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass In the last days, I will pour out on my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servant and on my handmaidens, I will pour out out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I wish in this place right now there would be a gift of prophecy that would slip slip into this room uh, and every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl would begin to... You'd begin to open up in your mouth uh, and you'd begin to prophesy some things. You'd begin to utter some things like this. Yes, my family will be saved. Yes, I will be healed. Yes, I will walk in truth. Yes, I will be delivered. I pray a gift of prophecy. Come over this place. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let there be the gift of prophecy that would flow out of us today that we would prophesy things into existence. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm, 
I just wonder what would happen if we start prophesying. Tina will live for God. Nelson will walk back through those doors and sit on an apostolic. My family will be saved. I will walk in truth. I will not die. I shall live. That's the power of Pentecost. I said that's the power of Pentecost. Brother Paul, I was born in the fire. I said, I was born in the fire. I can't live in the smoke. I can't live on yesterday's experience. I can't talk all the time about the good old days. We need some good old days nowadays. We need, I said, we need to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We need to see the crooked limbs straightened out. We need to see the blind eyes open. We need to see the deaf ears. What shall we do? What shall we do? Is still the question that deserves the same answer that they gave on the day of Pentecost. Mmm. When Peter got through preaching a simplistic message that he preached. And when they got through seeing the eye count witnesses of the 120. As they rolled out of that upper room. And they began to see men and women speak in another language but could recognize it in their own tongue. You read that whole chapter of Acts chapter 2. It's quite amazing when you see and you witness what all happened in that whole chapter. And I'll read it for you. You can catch your second wind. Behold, are not all we which speak Galileans? And how we hear every man in his own tongue wherein we were born? The Parthians and the Medes and Eliamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia. And in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Pergamum and Pamphylia and in Egypt and in the parts of Libya and Cyrene and the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue. If they ever needed, if they ever needed a witness if it was real or not, the tongue talking experience convinced them this was what was promised to come. Because they had a revelation. If God can get a hold of their tongue, he's got a hold of their heart. That's, that same principle is still in effect today. When you speak in other tongues, as the Spirit of God gives utterance, God is getting the cord to your heart. And if he can get the cord to your heart by way of your mouth, he can lead and guide you into all truth. He can navigate you through the stormiest storms, through the highest waves through the lowest valleys when God's in charge of your ship you're gonna be all right that's why we get to speak in tongues that's why when we begin to speak in tongues it confuses 
It confuses the devil when you begin to speak in tongues. You wonder why the devil can't quite figure out what you're doing, how you made it this far, how you've escaped, how you're living this new life free of sin, free from addiction, free from the bondages that once had you bound. When you begin to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, the devil can't, I said the devil can't figure you out. I just wonder if that's why Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Because Paul knew the demons he had to fight. Paul knew the thorn that was in his flesh. And he knew if I'm going to make it, I've got to speak in tongues. If I've got it, I've got to get it out. I feel like telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, the key to your deliverance, the key to your breakthrough is letting the Spirit speak through you. Driving down the road, you can begin to speak in tongues. Listen to praise and worship music all by yourself in a red light. Holy Ghost. All by yourself in your prayer closet. Praying in tongues. The devil can't figure you out. That's why we need to be the people that still teaches and believes the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's the difference. You can walk down and shake a preacher's hand all you want to. You can sign a membership roll all you want to. You can be accepted in the brotherhood of fellowship all you want to. But if you've not been born again of the water and the spirit, you're missing the ingredient that God has intended for you to have that will get you from here to there. If you believe that, say amen. The most important thing you need to understand today You're the only one that can make the decision to receive the Holy Ghost. No one can make it for you. If you ask the opinion of other people in your life, it's probably that many of them will not agree with your decision. In fact, after you make this decision, some of them are going to tell you it's the wrong decision. I'm sure you ain't heard none of that this week. People will think you're crazy. People will think you done lost your mind. What are you doing going to that crazy Pentecostal church? They trying to brainwash you. You know, I got a little offended at that one time. I kind of got offended. No, we're not brainwashing nobody. And then I said, you know what? Maybe we are. Because the way my brain was working, it wasn't working. The way my brain was thinking and the things I was doing wasn't working. But one day I got brainwashed. See, I think that's what's wrong with some of us. Our brain hadn't been washed in so long. We're thinking thoughts that we shouldn't think. We're doing things that we shouldn't do. But when the Holy Ghost brainwashes you, the mind of Christ begins to move in you. And it is in Him I breathe, in Him I live, in Him I have my being. So if somebody asks you, are you brainwashed? You mighty right I am. Hook, line, and seeker. I've been been brainwashed. What do you mean? I got the Holy Ghost and fire, and it's keeping me alive. 
You got that Holy Ghost? You don't? Well, what must I do? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Let me tell you what happened to me. I went to a meeting one night. And my heart wasn't right. But something got a hold of me. I wasn't right when I went in, but when I left that old altar, something got a hold of me. I began to talk and say things I didn't learn in grammar school. They didn't teach me in high school. When I learned another language, when I passed high school, they couldn't teach me what I got in an old-fashioned altar. You know what I found out about living for God? (laughs) I had to make this decision for myself. You're the one that's going to have to make the decision to be born again of water and spirit. It's your life that will be changed by it. This decision is yours to make. An old Chinese proverb said this about decisions. A wise man makes his own decision. An ignorant man follows the public opinion. I believe we're witnessing that right now in the country that we're living in. There seems to be a shortage of men and women who can make their own right decisions. Public opinion generally decides for us much of what we believe. If we're not careful, some of us will take the gospel from Fox or CNN or MSN or Twitter or Facebook, or Snapchat, or TikTok. Come on, somebody, help me right now. But public opinion generally decides what most of us will believe. I am never in my life, and some of you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that are investing into the into the stock market, many of you have 401ks, and many of you may be even possibly investing in the cryptocurrency markets right now. But I can tell you, That men in high places affect what goes on behind the scenes in the way of our stock markets and cryptocurrency and the way of trade and the way of this and the way of that. If you go ask Elon Musk, he knows one man altered the course of the cryptocurrency market over the last two to three weeks, trillions of dollars has been lost because one man gave his opinion on a certain thing. We ask people all the time, what do you think about this? What do you think I should do? Be careful asking carnal people about spiritual things. Don't ask somebody about the Holy Ghost who doesn't even know about the Holy Ghost, much less has the Holy Ghost. You want to know about the Holy Ghost? Ask an old-fashioned Pentecostal person who's got the Holy Ghost in fire. Ask them if it's real. Don't ask some deadhead that's never experienced anything like that. My, 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 my. We live by opinions. We ask this and we ask that. What do you think I should do? Do you like this outfit? You go to a restaurant. What are you going to order if you're with people? It would appear that many of us are incapable of making a decision of our own many times. We can look at a menu and it's got hundreds of things and we still don't know what to order. All it takes is one person. All it takes is someone's opinions or something funny in a commercial or some celebrity's view on the matter. It changes our whole perception of what something is. 
it's important for us to understand here today that a decision can change our lives. A decision can change your outlook. A decision can change the course of your life. All it takes is one single decision in your life will never be the same. I remember, and you have your own stories, but I remember hearing a story of a man who on 9-11 decided to stop and buy donuts for the people in his office that day. That one single decision put him just a few minutes late. That one single decision saved his life. One decision. I'm going to buy donuts today for my coworkers. On 9-11, you're late for work, you live and not die. A decision is something that alters the course of your life and where you're heading. If you don't like the seat that you're sitting in, all it takes is the decision to change the location of where you're sitting in this room right now. If you don't like your job, all it takes is the decision to change the situation. If you don't like the direction of your life and the way it's going, all it takes is a decision to change that situation. It's called a decision. A single decision can change so much. What about the most important decision of all? What about the one that all others dwarf in comparison than the one that I'm preaching about? For Joel 3.14 declares multitudes, multitudes. In the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The world today is stuck between two opinions. God or no God. There's a reason so much trouble is in our world today. This is the reason that people are starving today. This is the reason there is war today. This is the reason for crying today. This is the world that's one decision away from turning their life around. But it's also a domino that can set an effect on your spouse, on your family, on your children. Could I ask you to pause just a second? And I'm not going to mention our world too much. Our world's in a mess. But what about your family? What about your community? What about your workplace? What about those you love so dear? Are you living life so careless? Are you making decisions today that you would frown upon your kids doing? Are you making decisions now that if your child comes and asks you, can I do what you're doing? And you would say, Psalms 25, 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. This verse lets me know that when we honor and love God, he begins to teach us the right paths for our lives. If you've made too many wrong choices in your life, it may be. Maybe, maybe you hadn't had the best teachers. We're not here to pass the buck or pass the blame. But I think it would do us all good to take inventory. What am I doing with the one life that I've been given? There are choices to be made in this world. And it's not just what to wear and what to eat and where to go. We have to decide what we're going to do about 
God. I know what I heard in the Holy Ghost this morning as I prayed. Last night, many of us have been wrestling with this conversation for most of our lives. Do I surrender? Do I live for God? Or do I play both sides of the fence? Do I surrender? Or do I hold on? Some of you right now, there's a bridge behind you. It's waiting on you to burn. You've got some things in reserve. If this don't work out, I can go back to my former life. If this don't work out, I'll do this. And God is saying, you've wrestled long enough with this experience. I've been knocking. I'm hearing the voice of God as I'm praying and, and, and preparing for this message. And he would say, I've been knocking at your heart's door for a long time. You know how long. You remember. But to this day, you have still not decided to completely surrender to him. You wonder why life has been a merry-go-round. It's because you've chosen not to get off. For the merry-go-round to stop, you must get off and start walking and following him as he leads you one day at a time by one single decision in one direction. Could it be the reason why he would say, a man that putteth his hand to the plow and look back is not fit for the kingdom. Why? Because when you get in this thing, it's a decision. But when you get out, it's a decision. But if you get in with everything you've got, when tough times come, you'll be, you will be kept by a single decision in a single direction. There's nothing. I heard somebody say this yesterday or it was the day before. My worst day living for God. It's better than my best day living for the world. One decision can alter everything. One writer said the person who in shaky times also wavers only increases the evil. But the person of firm decision fashions the universe. I know many of us today may think, how can I fashion the, how can I fashion the universe when I can't even get my own life straightened out? Let's start with our own life before we think about the universe. What about my situation? What about my heart? Could a single decision today to be baptized in Jesus' name change the situation of your life? You bet your bottom dollar it could. Could it change the direction of where you're going? Absolutely. Could one decision of being baptized and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost cause your life to have greater purpose? Absolutely. Could today give you meaning that you have been desperately looking for? Yes, it could. You may say, Pastor, what shall I? Do I, do I have to do it today? No, you don't have to do it today, but the merry-go-round continues. The life in which you live has continued. 
You may say, why should I be in such a hurry and a rush? We can always do this next Sunday. But Paul writing to the church at Corinth, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is your day. Is today that will be is today the day that will be remembered for all eternity? It can be. Our musicians would come. As I prayed to God today, I said, Lord, I'm going to preach. What shall we do? But nothing gets done. Nothing gets done unless you do it. Nothing. Nothing gets done unless you do it. Nobody's going to drag you. Nobody's going to beat you. Nobody's going to pull you and shake you. and oh, You better get to this. All. No, none of that's happening. Nothing changes until something changes. And something is never going to change if we don't make a decision about some things.